As you guys can tell, Pastor Bob's not here. Um, it, for these go, those of you guys who don't know me, my name's David. I'm the youth pastor. Uh, so you guys are stuck with me today. Uh, we're going... We're going through, thank you, thank you. We're going through uh, the fruits of the Spirit, as Maggie said, and we're on patience. Uh, I told you guys earlier, I already have been challenged with patience today. I should probably apologize to my wife because she deals with my impatience more than anybody. Uh, and so patience is hard. All of us in here, I guarantee, struggle with patience, probably to like pretty extreme degrees, um, right? Whether it's uh, you're impatient with your kids, or you're impatient with your job, or you're impatient with the ministry that you're serving a part of because you wish that the leader would do something that you want them to do, and you know it's right, but they're unwilling to do it. And so patience is one of those things that we all deal with. You know, it, as I was preparing for this, I, I couldn't stop thinking about, you guys remember that old Snickers commercial? Uh, Betty White is uh, playing football, and she goes out for the pass, and then Betty White gets back into the huddle, and they're like, hey, Brad, have a Snickers. You're not you when when you're hungry, right? You're you're not you when you're hungry. He eats the, Betty White eats the Snickers, and then turns into this this friend again, like it it transforms back into like this 33-year-old playing flag football out in the field, and he's like, oh, man, that's better. That's better. That's exactly what I was thinking about because when we're disconnected from the Spirit, when we ignore the Spirit, we're we're hungry. We're deprived for that. And when we're disconnected from the Spirit, we want, we want to be patient. We want to be joyful. We want to be loved. We want to to give love. But we just don't do it. And so the sinfulness of impatience and anger and frustration starts rising up in us because we're, we're hungry for it. We're, we're, we're not partaking of the fruit of that spirit. And so as we go into Galatians uh, chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, the central text, the fruits of the spirit, I want us to think about that. I want us to think about what, what does it look like to not have that Snickers bar? What does it look like to... to be struggling with impatience or any of the fruits of the Spirit, and to think, man, am I depriving myself of the fuel that I need in order to exhibit these fruits to other people? Because you, you guys have all heard the saying, right? We might be the only Bible people read. Uh, we might be the only Jesus people see. Uh, we, we might be that only thing. And so when we are disconnected, one, we can't expect them to experience any positivity or Christ-likeness out of us. But, but two, we also can't expect them to exhibit those because they are fruits of the Spirit, not of the world. And so as we go into Galatians 5, I want to remind our, us of the text. Galatians 5, uh, verses 22 and 23 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, it's kindness, goodness, faithfulness. It's gentleness, it's self-control. Against such things, there is no law. We're going to be diving into a bunch of texts that help us understand what patience is and how God uses patience when he speaks. Uh, But as we dive in, I want to remind us that we're reading from the authoritative, inerrant, and inspired word of God. And we want to agree with the Apostle Paul when he writes to his disciple Timothy that all of Scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, so that we may be equipped and complete for every good work. Amen? Amen. So, as we dive into patience, we have to understand what 
what does it mean when we see patience in the Bible or when we see the words endurance or long-suffering or, or things that relate to patience? Because obviously this isn't written in Hebrew. It's in English. And if I ask you guys to define patience to me, I bet we could probably come up with about eight different definitions of how we understand patience to be. But this is what patience means in the Bible. Patience in the Old Testament is understood as to be long. That's literally what it means, just to be long. And so as you're, as you're learning that, you're like, oh, man, okay, well, what, is, what does it mean to be long? I, I don't understand what that means. And so we get a little bit more clarity when we get into the New Testament, and the Greek understanding of it is endurance or to remain firm or to stay steadfast or to be long-spirited. And so we, we get this, this more clear picture as we, as we read the whole context. But then when we go back to the Old Testament, we see how does God exhibit patience? How does he exhibit this endurance or this steadfastness? We really see him exhibiting this over and over by not being angry. It says this in Exodus 34, verse 6, that the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger, and he's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. But Numbers 14, 18 also says this, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Nehemiah 9.17 says that he's slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love. Psalm 86.15 says that he's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Isaiah 48.9 says why he's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. It says, for my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of praise, I restrain it for you, that you may not be cut off. He's withholding, he's patient in his anger, his justice towards us, so that we may be drawn to repentance for him. We understand patience in two ways when we see the Old Testament understanding. We see you're slow to the response that you want to have, the vengefulness, right? The, man, I just wish, when I, when I got cut off, Oh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I would have unrolled my window and would have been like, get out of the way. Like, what are you doing? It's my lane. I would have just lost it, right? But as we exhibit this fruit of patience, we need to be slow to anger in order to exhibit steadfast love. And it's one of these things that that as we start seeing it in our own lives, we start thanking God for being this way. Because if he decided today, maybe he doesn't tarry beyond right now. How many of us would be so joyful that we got to experience heaven, but sad that someone we know didn't? And so it starts putting things in perspective. Because, man, I, I, I don't want him to tarry. But at the same time, I want his patience to endure so that his steadfast love can be experienced by every single person I've ever met. So as I was reading uh, about patience and, and understanding it in this light of endurance, uh, I, I have to tell a story. Uh, I, got, I, I go in seasons of working out. Um, I, I'm what you call skinny fat. I don't look unhealthy, uh, but... I'm kind of unhealthy, uh, and and so I, I'm 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 skinny fat, right? Like I'm 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 not in great shape, 
but I just don't look it. And so people are like kind of illusioned by like, oh, yeah, you must be healthy, right? You could probably go do stuff. No. Uh, so, but anyways, I get, in, I get in these phases of working out. And like five weeks ago, I started getting into working out again. And I was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm doing good. Like, I'm on it. I'm working out all the time. I'm motivated. And then I realized, I realized why I, I stop working out usually. I stop working out because I don't have anything to work out towards. Sorry, students. I'm, I'm married, so it's not to look good. Like, I'm like, I'm, I've, I've, already, I've already gotten married, so I'm good. Like, I'm not trying to impress anybody. And so I'm like, okay, what's the goal, right? What's, I, I need to have a reason because I, like, okay, yeah, health, cool. You know, like, that's not a big driver for me. And so I, I, I'm working out, I'm trying to think, oh, man. Well, I used to play baseball, right? I used to play uh, baseball all the way through uh, just part of college. And, and I remember there was a purpose. I, I, I worked out in baseball because I wanted to hit a ball farther. I wanted to f- throw harder. I wanted to run faster. I wanted to, I wanted to be better at the craft that I was doing. And so I was like, okay, Audrey, I know what I need to do. I need to sign up for an event, that will make me have to continue training because otherwise I'm going to fail the event. So we signed up for a half marathon. It's a massive mistake. <laughs> have you guys ever ran more than three miles? I have to run four and a half today according to my training plan. I've never ran more than four miles ever in my life. And so, but this is what I, I start, I, so I get excited, right? So we sign up for this, it, this half marathon. And obviously me, being who I am, I don't want to stop there. I'm like, half marathon is going to be so easy, Audrey. I'm going to do a half Ironman one day. Well, for those of you guys that don't know what that is, that's a 1.2-mile swim next to a 56-mile bike ride next to a half marathon. And so it's, it's a lot, right? And then there's a thing called a full Ironman, which is double all those distances. It's like 2.4-mile swim. It's a 112-mile bike ride. That was quick math. And it is a 26.2-mile run. It's just insane, right? It's, it's so insane. Well, I get really obsessed with stuff super quick. I have a super addictive personality. I get really excited about something, and I'm stuck on it. So there's this really addictive uh, platform called YouTube. And if you get on YouTube for about one second and look at anything that you enjoy, you're done. You're going to spend the next 18 years of your life studying that thing from every pseudo-expert in the world about it. So that's exactly every single second of free time. I'm on YouTube, and I'm looking at triathlons and Ironmans, and I'm learning about it, and I'm studying it, and I'm learning all the equipment and the gear. And then the one thing that's really interesting that every single video talks about, and this was what I thought was surprising, is they all talk about fueling. And I was like, oh, okay, what, what, what about it? And this one expert says that a, a typical person that's partaking in an Ironman, the full-length full triathlon that you can do, will burn just an average person. So if I went out and was able to accomplish the entire race, it would take about 10 hours, 10 hours of continuous physical activity. I would burn over 8,000 calories, over 8,000. Well, we only have a couple thousand stored up in fat and glucose and things that our body can access immediately. And so after one quarter of the race, I would run out of energy. I would fully deplete all of my energy stores. And after you deplete your energy stores, you turn into Betty White. And you need a Snickers super badly, super badly. And so this is what they all say. They say, 
after the swim, because you can't eat during the swim, you're, you're swimming. Uh, but after the swim, you need to be eating every 15 minutes the rest of the race. Every 15 minutes. And so they make these things called goo. It's like this little pouch and you squirt this like super highly concentrated meal into your mouth. And it's like a few hundred calories just shot into your mouth. I've never had one. I don't want to. But if I'm, if I'm a half Ironman, I'm going to have to. Uh, but you start shooting goo into your mouth every 15 minutes. And then what they drink, they drink these, these carbohydrates. And so uh, it's like electrolyte drink, but it has like a ton of carbs in them because they need quick, they need quick energy right now, things that absorb fast through your body. And so by the end of the race, if they are doing a full Ironman, they will consume upwards of 6,000 to 10,000 calories. What? To put that in perspective, we, all of us here, most likely eat somewhere between 1,500 and 3,000 in a day, depending on your activity level, your weight, your size, your age. Like, you're doubling that at a minimum. And so it's, it, it's incredible. But they say the reason that they do this is because if they stop fueling, they're going to do what's called a bonk. They're going to bonk. And it's what happens when your kids hit 7 p.m. 7 p.m., <laughs> straight downhill as fast as they possibly can go because they start bonking, right? They're bonking because they're tired. We would bonk because we didn't have a Snickers bar. We didn't have the goo. And so we start failing. Our body, this is what's crazy, though. When you don't, fa- when you don't fuel properly, your body fails really quickly. Like, it, it, it'll start, your body will just start breaking down. So have you guys, uh, any of you guys who have ran more than three miles, have you guys ever experienced a calf cramp? Yeah. It's the worst. I hope not to get one. Uh, if, if, if you've ran any distance or if you've worked out any distance and you're not replacing the electrolytes that are leaving, that's why I tell you to eat bananas, you're going you're gonna to start having experiences in your body that you never want to ever have again. And it's bad. And so it will start with a calf cramp, right? Then th- this guy that was doing this video literally started going through what happens to your body if you don't feel and you keep going. It starts with a calf cramp. And that's really painful. And so you have to get off and stop doing whatever you're doing. You have to start stretching. And then you start going again. And because your calves are so worn out, then your knees will begin to go. And then your hamstrings and then your quads and then you cannot move. And some people will still try to move through all of that because they have this high level of grit. They have this high level of perseverance where they can just keep going no matter what. But they ultimately will all fail. And they will not finish the race because there's eight to ten hours of continuous movement. And so this is what I started thinking about. I started thinking about how we understand fueling on a day-to-day basis so well, right? We wake up, we have breakfast, we'll have our coffee. Some of you guys don't eat breakfast. You'll, you'll, have, you'll break your fast at lunch, and then you'll have coffee and then more coffee and then you'll try to like stave off those hunger pains for dinner with another cup of coffee and then you have dinner and then you'll have a dessert and and we'll feel well and we we typically the second we start getting hungry we're like well i gotta stop i gotta eat like i'm gonna if if anyone speaks to me right now i'm gonna lose my mind like i i need to eat right now and so we're really really good at understanding how we need fuel to go through our days What I want us to start understanding is what's the fuel that we're getting from the Holy Spirit to help us go through our days spiritually? How how am I fueling patience? How am I fueling love? How am I fueling joy? 
or, patient, or, or peace. I want us to start thinking about going through our days as if we're actually on the race that the Lord has put us on. And we're able to get to that finish line well. If we want to get there, we can't bonk. We have to fuel. And like Maggie was saying, it has to be from the Holy Spirit. It has to be from God. Because we can't produce that ourselves. I can't produce the fruit of the spirit of patience within myself. It's impossible. And so what am I doing to lean on God when the person that I don't want to get a promotion gets a promotion? What am I doing to lean on the spirit of patience when I, I don't want them to be in a better life position than me, but they are? Or I want to get the house, but I can't. Or, and they can, and like, they're not believers, so like, man, shouldn't they like have like a bad situation? No. But this, this is what scripture says about this. I gotta keep up with my notes, otherwise I'm gonna go behind. This is what scripture says. Scripture says that the wicked are gonna prosper. It does, in Psalm 37, it says the wicked are gonna prosper. But the prospering stops. Because eventually, the wicked will be judged. And so we got to endure through that. What, what does it look like for you to endure when the person in your life that you don't want to be successful is? What does it look like to be patient through that? What does it look like when you're facing adversity of your own? Because scripture says in Romans 5, 3 to 5, that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So what does it look like when you're facing adversity and you go to your small group later and you're like, I just, I, I pray that the Lord removes this from me. What does it look like for you to pray that the Lord allows you to give you patience through it because it's going to produce character which produces hope? What does it look like for us when we are in our relationships? We all know the famous wedding verse, 1 Corinthians 13, which says, love is patient. What does it look like when your spouse is like that close, that close to sleeping on the couch. What does it look like to exhibit patience towards them? What does it look like in your relationships with your parents to exhibit patience towards them? Because we all know that there's going to be a time when they, they, test, they test any last little bit that you have, and they're scheduling things that you don't want scheduled, or maybe they're not visiting as much as you want them to visit, or maybe you're a kid in here and you have parents and you're like, I, if you make me clean up my socks one more time, Mom, I know I'm going to do it later. I just don't want to do it right now. What does it look like to have a little bit more patience in our love and relationships? What does it look like to have patience in our ministry? A lot of us serve in different capacities, and a lot of us wish that we saw things slightly different than we do. A lot of us wish that the leader of the ministry would do something about the thing that I've been thinking about forever, and they're just not doing it, and I don't know why, and so I'm going to go serve somewhere else. Or I'm going to start going to a new church. I read a really good quote this morning. <laughs> uh, it, this was just so random, but it, it, it related so well to this. And I'm going to butcher the quote, but I, so I'm going to give you just the, the gist. It was uh, all about how we lose our patience in church when we feel like we stop growing at the church. And it's not the church's problem because when we go to the next church, we lose our patience at that church after a while, and then we go find another church. And we lose our patience at that church, and so we go find another church. And typically it relates to what we're doing in ministry. 
Are, are we losing patience in the ministry that we have? What does it look like to endure through that? What does it look like to fuel through that? What does it look like to lean on the other fruit of the spirit of love and have a conversation with a leader to let them know how you're feeling about that? What about when we're faced with persecution? Scripture says in Hebrews 6, 9 through 15 and 10 through 32 through 39 to recall the former days, to, to think about the times when you struggled and to remember those because Scripture is also clear that we're going to struggle more. We're going to face adversity, like I just said. What does it look like to think back to those days and see how you got through it? Did you do it well? Or maybe it was one of those situations where, you know what, I learned that I should never do it that way again, and thankfully the Lord allowed me to get through it, but I did it wrong. What does it look like to have this fruit of patience in all these situations, and what does it look like to ask for the Lord to give you opportunity to have those more and more and more so that you can practice patience and love and joy and peace? This is what Jesus says. This is what the Bible says about this. We, we've been in the Bible this whole time. And as the worship team comes back up and we, and we get to a time of closing, we're reminded constantly in Scripture, constantly in Scripture of how tough it's going to be, how tough it is going to be for the people of God. Over and over and over, if you read your Old Testament, you feel sad for Israel. If you get into the New Testament, you feel sad for the churches, the early churches who constantly suffered persecution. I feel like sometimes uh, when we're in the States, we don't experience it quite the same. Similar to your mission trip, we don't experience that quite the same. And so for us, sometimes it's hard to think about the fruits of the Spirit in light of the context that they were originally, originally written. This is what it says in Romans 15, verse 5. And this is the prayer I have over you guys today as we leave here. If you're note takers, I'd write this verse down. I'd, I'd study it this week. I'd sit with it. I'd commit it to my heart. It says this. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. I wish that all of us leave here and we think through that filter every day of our lives so that we can start practicing not only the fruit of patience, but all of the fruits of the Spirit so that when we go to the grocery store or when the bicycle rider gets in front of me again, I can show love. I can wave. Hey, man, hope you're having a great ride. Hope you're having a, the best day of your life. Man, what's your name? Tell me it. I, I'm not in a rush. I want to learn about you. This is my prayer. My prayer is that we operate every day of our life like Christ operated every day of his. So let's pray.